Hello and welcome to the Simple Classroom Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Sutherland, and I firmly believe that teaching doesn't have to be complicated. So I started the Simple Classroom Podcast to share tips, hacks, and ideas to simplify your most complicated teacher problems. And today, we're tackling a big one. We're talking about what you should discuss during parent conferences to keep things running smoothly, keep things going efficiently, to keep the meetings concise, and to ensure parents that you truly do have their students' best interest at heart. So let's get started. early October. So that means parent conferences, data meetings, report cards, all of those things are hitting at the same time, right? And actually, because my school starts the first week of August, or really late July for teachers, first week of August for kids, I just finished all of these things. My parent conferences are done. My last one was on Thursday. I'm recording this on a Sunday. My report cards were due last Wednesday, and we've had our data team meetings done and over with for a hot minute now. We had them a few weeks back. We've been doing RTI for a couple of weeks. We are in the thick of it. But all of the most stressful parts of October are behind me now, and I am on what I am going to say a very well-deserved fall break. And because I'm on the other side of conferences and data meetings and report cards and all of that, I thought I would share how I structured my parent conferences because I embedded them into my school day. We had the option this year to do a virtual day of parent conferences where you do them all in one day, or if you wanted to break them up and do a few a day over the course of the past few weeks and be done with them before fall break, then you could be. So I have embedded mine into my school day during planning, during my lunch, before and after school, whenever parents could get together with me, on top of grades and report cards and data meetings and lesson plans and all the other regular teacher duties. So I truly am tired. But because I was having to teach for a little bit, then I'd be on planning, I'd have two parent conferences, then I'd go back to teaching, then I'd have to enter some grades. I've been living this chaotic life. I thought, I really can talk about parent conferences right now. They're very fresh on my mind, and I was honestly prepping for them on a pinch every single day. So the thing that helped me maintain consistency across all these parent conferences, but also make them positive, make them structured, make them professional each and every time, no matter what I had going on that school day, was having a firm agenda. So that's tip number one for y'all today, is write an agenda. Now, I hosted most of my parent conferences on Zoom just because of the nature of having them in the midst of the school day. And most parents are kind of expecting to have them on Zoom because our designated day for conferences is a day over fall break where it's fall break for kids, but not for teachers yet. And the parents are kind of primed for us to host them virtually. That's just how we do it here still. Um, 
So I had a few in-person requests from parents, but most of them wanted to just hop on Zoom with me. This will look different, of course, in different places. Some of you guys will have mandated times and days that you have to meet. Some of you will be doing them kind of hodgepodge like I did. Some of you will have a set day where you just meet all day, uh, whether they're in person or virtual may be dictated for you. It just depends. But mine were like kind of a little bit of everything. I had some who needed phone. I had some who just wanted to meet via email and just have me write email a write-up of what I would say at a conference. I had most wanted to meet on Zoom. And then I would say like three came in in person. Now, 24 to 48 hours before each conference, I sent an email out. And I just kept this email really generic so I could copy and paste it for each family. But in the email, I included that current Zoom link, which is applicable to me because I was hosting them virtually. And then also a write-up of just the agenda of what we're going to talk about. Each conference, just as a note for you guys, each conference was about 15 to 20 minutes. So I don't have a ton of time to chat with each family, but enough time to really like dig into their data for a minute. So the agenda that I sent families that I told them was that we would start by reviewing data, um, that we would then discuss social and emotional observations, and then work habits and classroom behaviors. And then at the end, there would be time for questions or concerns that parents wanted to share. Now, when I say that I review data, that's honestly the meat of the conference. And that's also a place where I might address things like a speech referral or a gifted referral, or we are collecting data to move towards an IEP, things like that, that are very specific to that student. But for the vast majority of my students, what I'm doing is I'm talking about their fall diagnostic data that I've collected thus far. Now, at my school, we use AmesWeb. You may use things like STAR or MAP or iReady, or there's, you know, a million and one of them. You may use something like that that's nationally normed, provides a percentile ranking for each student in different areas. All of these are a little bit different. We used to use STAR, and now we use AmesWeb. And I feel like the things that STAR was so bad at, AmesWeb is much better. But the things that STAR was great at, AmesWeb doesn't have at all. So none of them are perfect, but they all basically do the same thing in the sense that they will provide a percentile ranking that's nationally normed for each child in reading and math. Um, AmesWeb, for me, also breaks it down so that within reading, I can see their fluency percentile, their comprehension percentile, and their vocabulary percentile. And then there are also subsections for math as well. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on a lot. I will not... Because of the constraints of time, I do not bring in a ton of classroom data unless it's really relevant. For example, if a child shows up below benchmark, below that 30th percentile mark that my district has named the grade level mark, right? 30th percentile says we're on grade level, we're on the right track, all of that. If a student shows up below that and I feel that I may need to back that up, the parent might have a question or maybe they've never shown up before in anything, I may need to then pull in other reading fluency data from things that I've done in class to just show here, see, they also showed up below benchmark on these other assessments. So there's a trend here. It wasn't a one-off strange thing, or maybe it was, right? Maybe a child shows up below benchmark in one area on your diagnostic screener, but then everything that you've done in class on that topic, they've been fine. Um, And both happen, and I actually have had both to discuss at conferences just this year. So... If a child is 
incorrectly identified on your full screen or you certainly need to have other data to back it up or if they're correctly identified and you suspect that the parent might have some further questions then you might want to have some other data to back that up but for the vast majority of my students just saying they're at the 29th percentile this is the group that they're in this is what we're working on this is how i plan to grow them and this is when they'll take this test again and we can measure how much they've grown that's great for most parents which leads me to my second point here do not if you can at all help it do not plan in your agenda to share data with parents without also sharing an action plan I feel that that does open you up for a lot of questions and concerns um, and eats up a lot of time. I believe firmly in being proactive with parent conferences. So if you share all of the data and then you share for the things that they are either exceptionally low in or exceptionally high in, you share what you are doing in class or what your team is doing in class, aka a gifted teacher, an interventionist, um, a coach, someone else. If you share what you and other people in the building are doing to support the student and target their learning needs, you are not going to have a lot of questions from parents other than maybe what can I do at home to help support this growth, um, which if you already have that idea, go ahead and share that ahead of time too. But if a child is in an RTI group and is being progress monitored regularly to share their or to track their growth, explain how that process works, explain how often you're going to be sharing that progress monitoring data with them. Um, describe what the progress monitoring process looks like, how often they get progress monitored, all of that. Because if you can be as transparent as possible now, then the parents understand every single day when they take their kids to school what their kid's doing, and they have less questions for you. If you've got a kid that's bubble, they didn't show up in a group, but they're bubble, they're right on the edge and you know they could go either way, they're technically on grade level, but they're really not solid, Explain that to parents and explain. So this is the extra skill practice I'm giving them in class to give them that extra boost. And I'm going to be tracking through classroom assessments, like how they're doing each of these skills. If you need parent support at home with extra math factor reading practice, this is a great spot to share it. So review the data, but also share your action plan and what steps you're taking to support the students at the same time. And then move into social, emotional, work habits, organization, behavior observations. Um, I personally like to present a compliment sandwich for the average kid, right? Start with strengths, point out the one or two things that you would like to see them get better at this year in those areas, and then close with an additional strength. So an example that I have for you guys is Mary's so organized and she keeps up with her materials really well. She always has things turned in on time. Her desk is always neat. She clearly takes pride in her work in her workplace. I'm super impressed with that. I am working on keeping her confidence up, specifically in math. I've noticed that if she gets something wrong, she can become really withdrawn. She looks a little sad. She's down on herself and she'll kind of start to give up and guess on the rest of the assignment and not apply herself as hard. So when I see this happen, what I've been doing is giving her pep talks, letting her work with me for a minute to boost that confidence and keep her perseverance up. But by the end of the year, I'd really like to see her be able to give herself those pep talks and keep going even if she gets something wrong and to just kind of build that growth mindset. So we're working on that a lot in class, but otherwise socially and emotionally, she adapts well to change. She gets along with others. She works well in groups and in partners and just she fits in really nicely. I'm really enjoying being her teacher. So in that example that I just gave you, 
I led with the positive. I pointed out exactly what thing I feel the student is not quite on grade level for, whether it's a maturity thing, an emotional thing, a confidence thing, where I feel like they just stand out a little compared to their peers in this area. Um, And I've described what I'm doing to try to combat that, but I'm making the parents aware that it's happening. And then I'm sharing, you know, but here's something else that they're really great at. For the average kid, this works really well. Now, if you have a child who's on a behavior plan and you're dealing with some really extreme behaviors in your classroom, of course, find strengths to discuss, but I don't want to lead parents to believe that everything is breezy and no big deal by being like, you know, they're great. Sometimes they throw their chair at my head, but otherwise they're doing really well, right? Like, be honest with how the behavior plan is working. Um, You've probably already had meetings or have meetings on the books to discuss that specifically. So you could even tell the parents like, the behavior stuff is separate from today's conversation. Today, I want to discuss with you their academics. And we have a separate meeting on the calendar already with the entire team when everyone will be present where we can discuss the behavior plan and the interventions we're using and what we need to modify there. But for today, if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to just focus on academics and we can come back to behavior later. If that's possible to do that, that's what I would recommend. If you're dealing with anything super extreme, I don't think it's beneficial to do a compliment sandwich with a kid where it's just already out there on the table that the child really struggles with behavior. Um, And maybe we just let the conference that you're doing by yourself be academic based since that's your area of expertise so that you don't talk about anything that the whole team should be present for without them there, right? Often though, I found that those parents, they have so many conferences that they're doing all of the time that they don't often Like they're pulled into so many meetings that they don't often schedule additional parent conferences. Not always, but a lot of them are like, all right, we're meeting like 50 times this year about this kid and and his behavior. I can see his grades. Maybe I don't want to meet with you right now. But if you do, I would try to separate those meetings or have additional people present at the meeting with you so that you have that kind of like full team presence so you don't end up getting yourself into a conversation that you shouldn't be having by yourself. And then finally, after you've gone through all of that, you've presented the data, you've shared your action plan for their data, you've discussed just generally how they're doing in class in a way that shines on their strengths and their weaknesses. Now it's time to leave time for questions. Now, what I just found, because again, I just did 25 conferences over the past couple of weeks embedded into my school day. What I found is that by being proactive, setting them the agenda and saying, this is what I'm going to discuss. This is what you can plan to hear about when we meet. This is the data I'm going to go over. These are the talking points I'm going to lead with. And then there'll be time at the end for you to ask questions if you have any for me. What I found that is if I hit all those points on that agenda and the parents are like, all right, I know academically how they're doing. I know what the teacher's doing about it. I know socially and emotionally how they're doing, what they're like with friends. I know what their work habits and organization look like. I know what their behavior looks like. They often don't have any other questions. I mean, I would say 90% of my parents were just like, no, I mean, like you nailed it. You covered everything. Thank you so much. And then we were done a few minutes early. But you, of course, will have those parents that come in with questions that maybe you didn't touch on that. Maybe there's something that you glossed over that they're like, can you go into more detail about what the RTI process looks like for them or how they got in that group? Um, Or maybe there's something from a year past that you didn't know about that they're like, so they used to really have a stutter and they were in speech, but then they exited out of speech. How how are they doing with that? You know, like there just may be things (coughs) that you weren't prepared to talk about. 
So it's important to leave a few minutes so that they can ask for clarification if they need to, or they can share additional information that you may not have known about or may be relevant and helpful to you in the future. Now, sometimes, every once in a while, a parent asks something that you are not prepared to answer. Again, this is not common. Most questions that parents will throw at you in a conference will be things that you can go, yeah, absolutely. So the way that we typically handle that is X, Y, and Z. And like you can explain whatever they're looking for really concisely. But sometimes they throw something at you that you're like, whoa, what a curveball, right? So what do you do? Now, my number one suggestion is to buy yourself time. If there is a question that you are asked that you're not 100% confident about the answer to, then I would avoid answering it right now. Not blow the parent off, not tell them like, well, I don't know. Just instead, promise to follow up with them with the proper resource or after you've double checked the exact answer, tell them that you'll get back to them soon. Write down their questions or their concerns and present a deadline for yourself that you share with the parent if at all possible, like by the end of the week or before next week or by Monday afternoon, I will have this answer for you. Um, But I strongly, strongly advise against trying to answer questions you're unsure of because you may end up digging yourself into a hole you can't dig yourself out of, right? And parents can catch you off guard for a variety of reasons. I have had everything over the years from a parent at the end of the conference being like, so I, so my child doesn't know this yet, but we're getting a divorce and we're going to need some support for him emotionally when that happens, when he finds out. He's not going to find out until Thanksgiving, but we wanted to tell you now. To the parent telling me I have terminal cancer and I haven't told my child yet. Um, to the parent coming in really combative with, so in first grade, we had all these issues with this and this and this and this and this. And are you going to do that this year? And I got really sick of it. And like, you can just be caught with so many things, no matter how prepared and proactive you are. Like you can't prepare for every little thing. Now, I I will say I made it through 25 conferences this year without that happening once. So it's not an every year occurrence. But if something happens that you are caught off guard from and you're not entirely sure, like you find yourself stumbling over your words, have some sort of generic and professional response prepared in your head. Something like, Thank you so much for sharing this with me, for trusting me with this information. I'm writing it down now to follow up with our blank school counselor, school psychologist, administration, teaching team, interventionist, whoever. I will get back to you by the end of the week with the exact resources we offer, and I'll tell you where we can go from here. Um, And that way, you sound comforting and professional, like, I appreciate you sharing this with me. I appreciate you making me aware. Um, I'm highly professional. I know where to go to get the right resources. And I don't want to tell you anything that I'm uncertain about right now. So I want to make sure that I'm speaking properly about this situation. And I'll be back on X date with information for you. And then make a note of that deadline so you don't forget. You don't want to tell the parents I'll be back by Friday afternoon with some answers. And then Friday comes and goes and you didn't do anything. Chances are if it's something that really jars you, You're going to be like walking into school the next morning trying to find the person who can help you with that information. But don't try to answer questions on your own on the fly if you're uncertain. Buy yourself a little bit of time. Um, And then one final point about conferences, and this came to my attention recently, 
In a Facebook group, I saw some teachers asking, what data should we be sharing at parent conferences? And a bunch of people jumped in like, well, your diagnostic screener, of course, your MAP test, your STAR test, your iReady test, your Ames Web test. And there were some teachers in there like, well, what if we don't give that? What if our district doesn't pay for something like that? And you know, it's been so long since I hosted a conference without something like that, that I forgot that that's a thing. <laughs> but I once upon a time did present conferences without diagnostic data that was like on a computer test, spit out a percentile to me. I did do that once upon a time. It's just been a while. So I recommend if you are collecting all of your own data within the classroom and you don't have some sort of digital screener that you're giving the kids at certain times every year, I recommend sticking with data that you can compare to a grade level benchmark or norm. So something like Ames Web or STAR is going to say this child is at the 72nd percentile in reading and then it'll break down reading into all of these different skills and say at this skill they're at the 56th, at this skill they're at the 88th, they're at this skill they're at the 62nd, but their composite is this. If you don't have something like that, Try to find something or try to only present data that you can say they're at this point, which is average for second grade, above average for second grade, or below average for second grade. I do not recommend classroom tests. They're not as helpful because if you've got a student, let's say by the time you give conferences, you've given three classroom tests in math, right? You've covered three chapters and you've got a student that's made a 90% or higher on all three classroom tests. That doesn't necessarily tell the parents that they're truly on or above grade level. For right now on these topics, with this particular curriculum in this classroom, they are on or above grade level. But your test may be easy. Your curriculum may not be all that challenging yet. Uh, your first test may have been mostly review things. They may be really strong on the topics you've taught so far, but they're going to fall off the deep end once you get into regrouping. Data points like a DRA a phonics screener, a developmental spelling assessment, a reading fluency test, a math um, beginning of year pre-test. Those will all give parents a better idea of whether or not their child is on track to be on grade level by the end of the year because it's much more cut and dry. It will give a score and then it will give some sort of measure of, all right, this is where the average second grader typically scores. And this is where the average second grader should be at the end of the year. So it's better to present data like that if you can. Um, so let's say you have got, you've got a child that's a level 16 in the DRA. You can very easily say, okay, they started the year at a 16. They should have been a 16 at the end of first. We like to see students at an 18 at the beginning of second, but I'm making it my goal to get them to a 20 by winter break, which would have them on the right track to being on grade level by the end of the year. But one way that you can help me support that is by reading a lot at home, reading together, reading to him, having him read to you, um, having him read to stuffed animals, just whatever ways inspire and motivate him to read more, create those environments for him. So that way you've set a goal, you've let the parent know that the child's a little below average, but not by much because you can compare it to what the average second grader should be able to do. So the more data you have like that to share, the better. This gives parents a goal to look for. It gives parents a way to kind of follow up with you and track progress and gets them more invested, which is honestly a win all around. 
And okay, guys, that's all I have to share with you on parent conferences. I wish each of you luck with your conferences this year. I believe that if you're succinct, you stick to facts and not opinions. You let the data drive most of the conversation and you lead with plenty of positives along with things of refinement that you want the kids to get better at that you guys will have no issues. But if you do, remember to buy yourself time and think thoughtfully and professionally about how to respond to each parent. And otherwise, you will all be golden. All right. I will be back next week with another teaching tip for you guys. And I hope you have a great week.